Well, I know that you all have been wondering how my diet is going. No, you don't. Thank you, Nick. I knew of all people in this church, you would notice that. Uh, I just want you to know that I am through week three of my diet. And here, look, well, first two weeks, lost 10 pounds. So I decided I deserved a week off. And that was this week. Yeah, so I refuse to get on the scale because I won't let you judge me by that. But as my wife so delicately said to me, you're back on on Monday. We have been doing up, in, and out uh, over the past couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to be concluding this series. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about out. For those of you who haven't been with us, this is our game plan for 2013 at One Love Church. Um, Just a quick overview. One Love Church started a a couple years ago in our living room with uh, nine very beautiful people and uh, has grown and, and God has blessed us with all of you. And uh, we're very thankful for that. But uh, as we've grown, last year uh, we made it a point that we were going to begin uh, One Love Church by really understanding what it meant to be renewed. And this year it's up, in, and out. Up meaning that we will love God in all that we do. In meaning that we will learn to love each other and become a healthy environment in, in every way. And that is my phone from the back. Is that not me? Oh, that is you! That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Chris, pay attention to this next part. And this week we're going to talk about out, which is really uh, the heart of One Love Church. And for those of you who have been with us for a long period of time, you know that we put a great importance in our outreach ministry. So much importance that our outreach coordinator, whose name is Sam Blaine, if those of you know Sam... Uh, he, he knows that today was the day we we're going to talk about that, so uh, he left. <laughs> or he didn't show up. He went to Michigan. He went up. He went up and then in. And now he's out. And now he's out. <laughs> That's right. He's a good guy. <clears throat> John chapter 13. John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, whatever you use. We're going to be in John chapter 13. Uh, At One Love Church, we have one portion of Scripture that we really carry as our badge of why we do outreach, and that is this portion of Scripture. And for some of you, this may be familiar, and for some of you, it may not. But there's a few things we have to understand before we get into this Scripture. And the first is that Jesus had this group of people, right, and we call them the disciples, and in our minds, we think of those 12 people that we know by name, but truthfully, There were hundreds more, and there were intimate moments when Jesus would sit down with his disciples, and he would instruct, and he would teach, and he would show them uh, all these different things that would just, you know, blow their mind. And truthfully, a lot of it they would ignore as they went on in life. But there was an integral group, right, that were close to him, that were immediate to him. And as what we would call in Scripture a master, right, Jesus was their master, they call him that many times in Scripture, what that means is in 
everything that he says, they follow. When he said to come and follow me, and the scripture tells us that immediately they went. That was grained into their culture. When you were called by a master, you went, you followed, and you would do what they told you to do, and you would follow exactly how they told you to say. So when Jesus would say things, like he said to Peter, that you will deny me, that was, you know, and Peter shouted, no, Lord, I would never do that, because that's how they're trained and ingrained. It's in their bloodlines. It's how they believe, and it's how they follow. It's how they learn in their spiritual lives. And so for Jesus to be a master to them is a truly exalted level. Not only in who they're going to follow, but in how they're going to live their life. This guy is going to show them and dictate to them how to live their life. So they see him in a way that, and sometimes we think that, you know, they're following this guy around and and they're listening to him and they're steadfast. But I want you to understand how, just how tight of a group that this was. In John chapter 13, it says, just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come to leave this world and to go to the Father. And having loved his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. It was supper time, and the devil by now had Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, firmly in his grip, all set for the betrayal. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything. That he came from God and was on his way back to God. Now, why is it so important that this verse is right in the middle of this scripture? Because we all have to understand that Jesus was not only master to these people. But these people understood that Jesus came from God, and was going back to God, okay? So not only is he here to serve on earth, but what these disciples probably understand even a little bit more than anyone else understood at this time, was that Jesus was the Son of God. All those great scriptures where Jesus would say, I am the way. There is no other way but me. And so in their minds, not only is he master, but he's Lord. They understand Jesus in a way that most do not yet, right? It's hard for us to grasp because we're grown up in understanding Jesus. Whether we mock him or believe in him, we know what, what shirt he wears, right? They didn't understand it. It's new to them. It's fresh to them. And they are the first to carry this forward. And so they're seeing Jesus in this mighty, mighty way. And it says this. So he got up from the supper table, and he set aside his robe, and he put on an apron. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with his apron. And when he got to Simon Peter, Peter said, "Uh, Master, you wash my feet? And Jesus answered, You don't understand now what I am doing. But it will be clear enough to you later. And Peter persisted, you're not going to wash my feet ever. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. Master said, Peter, not only my feet then, but wash my hands and wash my head. Here is the master. And he goes to those people who are dearest to him who follow him and are subjective to him. And he goes to the one place in this culture 
that no one ever goes. And that's to the feet. Because remember at this time that they didn't have Nikes, right? They didn't have those nice socks that make you feel comfortable. And everywhere they went was nasty. And where did all that collect? Your traveling boots, right? And so here are these disciples, and it's ingrained in the culture. Listen, you wash your feet before you come in here, right? You take care of that before you get here. And so Jesus, who is exalted, who they know as Lord, goes to them and bends before them and begins to take the dirtiest part of who they are and wash that. And, and I know we think, those of you who have been part of a baptism service, right, you take the water and you go, right, don't, don't touch the corns, Brad, don't touch the corns. You take the apron, you, you, you dry it off, you with me, and, and everything's good, and you're like, look how good of a person I am that I just did foot washing. But the truth is, he had to scrub, right? He had to wash the feet. He had to get the gunk off. So it, it's not that pretty little procedure that we do. He's washing these disciples' feet. And when I think of Peter saying, Lord, you're, you're not going to wash my feet, I see two sides to that, right? I see not only the fact that my Lord and this, this, this master of mine wants to stoop to this level, but I also think to myself, listen, uh, I'm a little ashamed of how these grubby things look right now. And truthfully, Jesus, you don't, you don't want any part of this, right? You don't want to be here right now. Verse 10, Jesus said, if you've had a bath in the morning, you only need to wa- feet wash now. And you're clean from head to toe. My concern, you understand, is holiness, not hygiene. So now you're clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was betraying him, and that's why he said not every one of you. And after he had finished washing their feet, he took his robe and he put it back on and he went to his place at the table. And then he says to him, Do you understand what I have done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so, for that is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, wash your feet, you must now wash each other's feet. I have laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. But if you don't understand what I'm telling you, if you understand what I'm telling you, act like it and live a blessed life. How many times in our lives do we say to Jesus, we are not ready and look, honestly, you don't want any part of me right now. You don't want any part of me right now. And the main focus of what Jesus is trying to say here is, listen, if you can't grasp what I'm doing right here and get your attention off of yourself, then you're not going to understand any of the reason why I came here. Because I didn't come here to teach you how to get clean alone. But I taught you to live like you're blessed because you are. If you understand what I'm teaching you today, and and listen, when Jesus says blessing, he's not talking about how much money you have in the bank. When Jesus says blessing, he's not talking about what kind of car you drive or how much food is at your table. When Jesus is saying blessed, you live a blessed life, what he's saying is you understand what's going on here, so act like it. You understand the scriptures, so act like it. 
You understand what I mean when I say to you, you need to do what I've done here today and understand that Jesus wasn't only talking about practicing the practice of foot washing, which is a beautiful thing to do, but most importantly, Jesus was saying, replicate my heart. Replicate the service. Understand what I'm saying to you is not a reflection of your feet in the water, but a reflection of me on my knees in front of you. That's what you've got to understand. What Peter was caught up in is the same thing that we all get caught up in. This false pride of who we think we are and what people around us deserve. But the truth of the matter is Jesus understood that you, Peter, are nothing more than that scared, Weak guy that came to me at the very beginning. The only difference is, now you're starting to get it. So live like it. Now you're starting to get it. So when it's time for you to wash feet, when it's time for you to serve, do it. And don't worry if you don't have the money. Don't worry if you got problems going on in your life. Don't worry if your feet are dirty too. It's not about that. What it's about is knowing and understanding and moving and doing. What we're going to talk about, this out action of the church, is the largest area of what we do as a church. Last year, let me, let me, let me just review a couple things with you. Last year, here at One Love Church, we, we did over 30 outreach projects. And those are the things, I'm telling you, of anything that we did at the church, those are the things I remember, right? Because when you do an outreach project, what, what does it do inside? <clears throat> Yeah, right? You get all cozy. You feel all good. Let me tell you how much money we spent in outreach as a church last year. As a church. I mean, the church put in the outreach in 30 outreach events. And I'm telling you, we gave thousands of bottles of water away. We took, I don't even know how many man hours to be out. And we completely redid a park up, up on Shaw Road. And we did all kinds of stuff, right, that nobody ever saw. And we didn't put in the newspaper. And it wasn't for advertisement and all that stuff. But it was for a simple thing of us going out and serve. And we pumped, as a church, nothing into it. Nothing. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. The first is pretty big. We don't have anything. (laughs) But let me tell you what the second part is. Scripture tells us, do you know that money is talked about more in Scripture than any other subject. you know why that is? Because unlike anything else in the world, money will determine what you do. You will listen to your wallet way more than you will listen to Jesus or the tugging of the Holy Spirit. Because the first thought that comes into all of our minds is, what do I got? What can I do? What we've determined in One Love Church is this. If we're going to go out and we're going to do things, then you can't depend on the church to go out there and do it for you. But you're going to have to actually get up and go do those things. And you know what happened as a church? You got up and you went and did those things. And, and, and it's exciting and it's fun to be a part. I don't care how small it is or how big it is. It's exciting and fun to be a part of that, to be a part of a family who understands the importance of giving without seeking return. You with me? 
Outreach at One Love Church will never be about people coming here. I want you to understand that. Because when Jesus knelt before those disciples, do you remember that part in the story when he said, Peter, not only am I going to wash your feet, but then I want you to leave this place and go tell everyone exactly what I did here. And that way they will come and they will follow me. Do you remember him saying that? Mm -mm. Do you remember all those times that he would heal those people? And Do you remember what he would say to them? You shut your mouth about this. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because your works cannot overshine God's word. And when your works overshine God's word, then people begin to follow you. And they become a disciple of One Love Church and not a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we will not build disciples of One Love Church. We will not build disciples of outreach ministry. We will build disciples of Jesus Christ. And Jesus will change hearts. You follow me? This, this, this feeling comes from a couple places. It's not only what God has called us to do, but it's also who God has called us to serve. And not necessarily, we often think that's the less fortunate than us, right? But truthfully, oftentimes, it's just our brothers and sisters in Christ who get off their butts and go do something and need a little help. You with me? Watch this video. Oh, right when Sarah gets up and walks away. Sorry, honey. Are you going potty? <laughs> Knoxville, Tennessee is a postcard perfect town. But severe poverty can be found less than five minutes away in Western Heights. Secret millionaire Danny Johnson is living in this struggling neighborhood as she looks for deserving people to share her wealth. Today, I'm going to meet two women I heard about yesterday at the Love Kitchen. I'm just checking on what kind of volunteering opportunities there are with you guys. Oh, honey, it's going to be good, honey. And, and let me tell you something. Do you know anything about the Love Kitchen, honey? I want to hear all about the Love Kitchen. 82-year-old Helen Ash and Ellen Turner founded the Love Kitchen in 1986 to feed the poor and elderly in Knoxville. On their first day, they cooked 22 meals. Today, they serve over 2,000 people each week with the help of volunteer staff and private donations. Ellen says all the time, say the Lord sent two because there's so much to be done, you know. And the three truths my daddy taught us, number one, he taught us there is but one Father, and that's the Heavenly Father. Number two, he taught us there is but one race, and that's the human race. Isn't that beautiful? And number three, he taught us not to take the last piece of bread from the table because somebody may come out that's hungry. So the Lord gave me this, this assignment, and it's just like Dr. Martin Luther King, you hear him talk about, I had a dream. I had a dream, and the dream was just Love Kitchen right here. I am so touched by the story of Helen and Ellen's history. 
it resonates deep, deep inside of me because it is who we all should be and how we should all live. You know, we have so many in our community who have stepped forward and already started a process of helping those who are less fortunate. And one of the things that they shout from their lungs, and, and we tend to ignore sometimes because we think all people have it, is that they need people. They need people. I get emails all the time. One of the cool things that happens when you're in church that actually goes out and do things is the word starts to spread. And those of you who have been out on the street picking up trash and doing those things that aren't necessarily fun to do and all that, when those cars stop and they talk to us, they go out and they spread the word of what this crazy church in these neon green shirts is doing out there on Sunday mornings. But let me tell you something. What happens is the word starts to spread, and I start getting these emails, and these emails say this, hey, hey uh, Pastor Brad, here's what we're doing. You know, every week we feed thousands of homeless people, and every week I am screaming for people to help, and here's where I need your help. One of those opportunities is the House of Bread. How many of you have been to the House of Bread with us or by yourself? The house of bread is exactly what you just saw here with the Love Kitchen. It's just a, a house that, that feeds the homeless uh, downtown in Dayton. The house of bread has noticed that they can't get children to come. And they know there's hungry children all around there. And so this beautiful woman called me and said, uh, Brad, listen, I um, <clears throat> want to try something. And I thought of your church. And I want to see if you guys will do it. And what I would like to do is I would like to have like a carnival here and just have the kids come and we're going to feed those kids and let them know that it's safe to come here and it's safe to get food. Would you help us do that? And I went, (laughs) no. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So on top of that, she also, you know, said, and I put you down for like six weekends, which is awesome. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a partnership with the House of Bread, and we're going to begin this little ministry of theirs and see if we can't get it to the point where the children in that neighborhood feel safe enough that they can come and they can get something to eat. Isn't that exciting? Let me tell you something else that came forward. The Ronald McDonald House, we hinted about this a little bit. We were in, in conversation with the Ronald McDonald House. One of the things that we love to do over there is to go and prepare meals, right? A lot of you have been a part of that. Um, there's a lot of other organizations that help them as well, Uh, but they asked us to take six uh, weekends and to go down there and to prepare those meals and be a part of that as well. So uh, we've we've agreed to partner with them. Habitat for Humanity is the same thing. They actually contacted us this week, wanting to know if we would come back and start scheduling weekends again. So they always have us down for a weekend in March, and they're said we'd like to add you for every weekend, and so we're starting a partnership with them. <clears throat> Let me tell you what's happening, and there's a whole lot more. Sam, if you ever want to know, go to Sam. He's got the entire 2013 is already full of what we're going to do. But here's the important part of understanding that. It's not about One Love Church, and truthfully, truthfully, I love it when we wear our t-shirts and we go to those things, because it's like a camaraderie thing, and I want you to continue to do that. I've got to be honest with you, that's like my whole wardrobe anymore, so you're going to see me in one probably anyway. But the truth is this, if we don't do it in the right heart and with the right spirit, then that which we are showing in that service will not be Jesus on his knees washing feet. 
it will be a glorification of self or a glorification of our church. And we do not want that. So here's what I ask you to do. In the next coming weeks, these things are going to start popping up on the calendar. And we're going to have, for those of you who don't know, our little table back here in the back. That's our outreach table. All the events will be out there. We just need you to sign up. A lot of these events are limited. The Ronald McDonald House, I think, is limited to about eight people because then that kitchen just gets way too packed. House of Bread is 12 people. Uh, Once we get to 12 people, it's filled up, and they fill up fast. Do not allow anyone else to take your place if you feel like the Holy Spirit is pushing you to be there and to do that. You with me? You can tell Greg Lyons, buddy, you've been to six of these. I ain't been yet. Step off. Yeah, and that's what he'll say. Dude, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Here's what it does do. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Love always looks for the best. It never looks back, but it keeps going to the end. Our game plan for out at One Love Church this year is number one, to offer faith. Offer faith. It's an understanding that what you do, you do because you are attempting to replicate Jesus Christ to others. You are understanding the blessed life that you have obtained through Jesus Christ. And you will do what Christ said to his disciples and go live it. So the first thing that we do when we do our outreach in 2013 is we offer faith. And be, be ready to share. Be ready to be open. Be ready to be vulnerable. Be ready to let people know that you don't have it all together, but you do have Jesus. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to offer hope. We're going to offer hope. And an understanding that we've all been in those places that need assistance. Now, we may not all be brave enough to get out there and and seek assistance. And for most of us, we were able to put our boots on and through the grace of Jesus Christ, work our way into an understanding of what it takes to, to be and to receive what God has in store for us. But there are those of us who are in places, and we're not too many bad choices away from that, who are in places right now who need help and need assistance and need a way. Jeff Foxworthy tells this great story about meeting a man who was addicted to drugs on the side of a road, and he has this great redemption story of this man. But he says at one point in his life, this man chose a decision opposite from what Jeff chose at one point in his life. And he said, if I would have just made that decision the wrong way, I would be exactly where he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are all just one or two decisions away 
from being where people are who need assistance, who need help. So we're going to offer hope. And finally, the third thing, we're going to offer love. We're going to do it in the right spirit and in the right heart. Right? What we've all talked about. I want to end with this. Close with this. It's easy. Man, is there like a band going on back there? They're having their own worship. They're having their own worship. It's easy for us to sit here and all be in one accord and all be in one heart and all be in one spirit and all say to ourselves, hey, we're going to go do this and this is going to be great and this is going to be awesome and everything's going to be full. But I also want you to understand that those opportunities for you to serve aren't just outside of these walls but are also inside of these walls. We have a lot of opportunities to serve today. Uh, We have a children's ministry that needs workers. We have a nursery coordinator that I'm sure would love more workers. Uh, we, We have greeters at the door. Mark would love more greeters for the front door. You know, we, we have all these different places you can help and that you can serve and you can be a part of. On the bottom of your little bulletin that you got today, there's an information card. Now, in the past, as most of you know, we've done a really bad job at where those information cards go, right? So we actually have a plan in place where those information cards go. So you can no longer fear in filling them out. We may just get them. So here's what I'd like you to do. If you want to volunteer today, if you see something that you would like to do, if you would just fill out in the back of that card, there's a couple boxes. Please put your name on it so we know who you are. But there's a couple boxes back there. If you just want to check one of those boxes and we can get you plugged into whoever is the leader in that ministry. Will you stand with me? Oh, I'm sorry. Put them in the offering boxes. <laughs> Maybe that's half of why we never get them. <laughs> Fill them out and take them home. Up, in, and out. You, you've heard the game plan for 2013. When we began this journey together, all of our intentions or our vision that God gave us for what a church should become was wrapped up and we just talked about with up, in, and out. It's an understanding of three very crucial things, and, and, and they're pretty simple, right? The first one is we're going to love God, and in all that we do, He will receive the glory for what is done. Not us, but Him. We will love God in all that we do, and He will receive the glory for everything that is done at One Love Church. Amen? Amen. The second thing is this. We will love each other. Now, for a lot of us, it's a different way to experience church. But we are going to have healthy relationships and establish a biblically-based way to confront each other when that time is necessary, too. Because I'm going to tell you right now, all of you know, you don't get this many people in one room and not have a confrontation every now and then. You with me? But we will learn what it means to take care of each other, to feed each other, to be there for each other. When we do have accidents, Kathy, right? When we do have babies, when our families expand, or the opposite when we're in mourning, we will learn to comfort and we will learn to love. And finally, we will extend that love beyond these walls. Those three things, 
I believe in my heart, is what God intended for the church when he began it. Those three things I believe in my heart are the reason why God added in Acts 2 to their numbers daily. Because they understood the importance of sacrifice and being a servant above power and wealth and glory. And church, understand me. There's nothing wrong with having money. I would love to have a boatload of it. (laughs) But the truth is this. If we don't know what it means to be a servant, we'll have no idea what it means to live in a blessed way. You follow me? I don't care what you consider rich. Because for some of us, we're all rich. (laughs) Right? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for what you have given, for what you have delivered, and for what you have built in this place. I thank you, Father, for every individual who is here with us today. And I pray this, Lord, that God, you would create here a church who understands the importance of loving you, who understands the importance of loving each other, and understands the importance of loving out. And God, I just pray that in everything you call us to do, God, in every person you call us to interact with, that, Father, in every step you call us to take, that, God, we are bold and we are faithful. And that, Father, we are ready to offer faith, hope, and love. May you receive all of the glory that happens in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.